On this week's episode, I will be talking about the number one question I'm hearing this week. And yes, you guessed it. It does have to do with our friend Ozempic, but so much more. We are talking about how to ensure the best ratio of muscle to fat when we lose weight, however you choose to lose weight. How do we achieve that perfect body composition? What happens to muscle mass when we lose weight? And how can we lose the right kind of weight? And finally, what is the deal with these new weight loss drugs? Is it true that they're melting our muscle? Keep on listening while I fill you in. Hey there, health lovers. Welcome back to Health Bite, the podcast for small, actionable bites towards healthy living. I believe your relationship with food is a window into your relationship with yourself. And in this podcast, we will explore how to redefine this relationship so you can not only achieve your weight loss goals, but also greater mental, emotional, and physical well-being. And in the end, that's what it's all about, is it not? I'm your host, Dr. Adrian Yadim, and I am excited to share with you this week's bite. Last week, someone on Instagram messaged me to ask about this new class of weight loss and diabetes drugs. The drugs you know by the names of Ozempic, Wegovi, Manjaro, Saxenda, Victosa. An influencer on Instagram had talked about the loss of muscle with these drugs, and this follower wanted to know, is it true? Then later that week, I was at a party and met a physician who asked me the same. He'd seen data that these drugs lost loss of muscle mass. And what did I think? So I have my own hypothesis on it all, but as always, I'm committed to the facts. So I dug into the data to see what has been published so far on this topic by the leading scientists and physicians. But first, let's cover some ground rules on this topic so that we know what we're talking about and we're comparing apples to apples and not apples to oranges. So first of all, our bodies are made up, of course, of fat, muscle, and water. Weight loss interventions always focus on the total amount of weight lost and rarely what kind of weight is lost. Is it fat? or is it muscle? And when we lose weight, we can lose either fat or muscle. Of course, we prefer fat loss, but the truth is that all weight loss will result in a loss of lean body mass, aka muscle mass. Typically, this is a percentage of the total body weight, meaning, or the total body weight lost rather, meaning that the more weight we lose, the more muscle we lose as a percentage of that overall weight loss. And the truth is that it's possible that our bodies don't need that same amount of muscle when we lose significant amounts of weight. Maybe our body doesn't need that same degree of muscle to hold up a smaller total body mass. But of course, we don't want to lose too much muscle we want to mitigate or limit that loss of muscle mass. Because if we lose more muscle than fat, then the percentage of body fat will go up. 
So our percent body fat will go up despite the fact that the overall weight has come down. And of course, that is not acceptable. A higher percent body fat has health consequences. It puts us at risk for metabolic disease. It puts us at risk for mobility issues, among other problems. And in terms of our weight, this is defeating in the long run because less muscle means less metabolic rate, a lower metabolism. And for the purposes of our conversation, I'm going to use the words metabolism, metabolic rate, and energy expenditure interchangeably. So let's just understand that weight loss does cause a reduction in metabolism anyway. So again, if you lose weight, you are a smaller human. And now as a smaller human, you are not going to burn the same amount of calories to stay alive. You are not going to require the same amount of energy to stay alive. Less calories burned, less energy used means a drop in our metabolic rate or a drop in our metabolism. Not to mention that from an evolutionary point of view, weight loss is viewed by the body as a threat to our survival. So when we lose weight, the body undergoes adaptive mechanisms to drop our energy expenditure so that we conserve energy and so that we don't whittle away and die. Does that make sense? It makes sense, right? So to recap, all weight loss strategies do result in some loss of muscle. The more weight we lose, the more muscle we lose as a percentage of that weight loss. But the question is, how can we mitigate that loss? How can we limit that loss of muscle? And is there something about these weight loss drugs in particular that has a negative impact on our body composition? So I found a handful of studies and they all came to the same conclusions. One study in particular came from the original phase three clinical trials for semaglutide. That's the drug that is marketed under the names of Ozempic and Wegovy. And remember once again, that these are the very same drug, the one in the same packaged differently, named differently for different indications, diabetes and weight loss. In this study, participants who were on weekly semaglutide had DEXA scans to monitor body composition before and after being on the drug for 15 months, so a little over a year. DEXA is used to measure muscle mass, fat mass, and visceral mass. That's the harmful kind of fat that is stored in the midsection of the abdomen. Visceral fat, by the way, is independently correlated with a higher risk of diabetes, heart disease, dyslipidemia, or abnormal or harmful cholesterol. And so one of the markers of a successful weight loss strategy has to be not only, again, the total fat loss, but also discerning the kind of fat that we lose because we know that that visceral fat, that intra-abdominal fat is particularly harmful to our health. So this study looked at the change that occurred in these different areas, fat, muscle, and visceral fat, 
with and without the drug in order to determine if there's something inherent in these drugs that cause wasting of muscle. Keep in mind that both groups were placed on a diet and exercise plan of, as well. So your semaglutide group is semaglutide plus diet and exercise compared to placebo, which is diet and exercise on their own. And this is what they found. Number one, those who were on semaglutide experienced a dramatic amount of weight loss as compared to placebo. Duh, not a big surprise that people who did diet and exercise alone are not going to lose as much weight as those on semaglutide. In general, we're speaking in general. That's not to say that you, Jane, who is listening to this podcast right now, can't achieve a significant amount of weight loss without medications. But if we look at all comers, people who are on meds are going to lose weight easier and faster. Not a surprise. But this is important and we'll get to that, to the why in a moment. So participants on semaglutide lost 15% of their total body weight compared to those who were on placebo who lost 3.4% of their body weight. So almost five times as much weight loss. Number two, drug takers did lose more muscle compared to placebo. To be exact, they lost almost 10% of muscle. They lost specifically 9.7%. And if you leave it right there, then your conclusion is going to be, yup, drug takers, people who are on Ozempic and Wegovy are going to lose muscle. However, two things. Keep in mind that drug takers also lost more weight. And so what they lost in muscle was a percentage of the overall weight loss. The placebo arm didn't really experience any change in weight, whether it was a loss of muscle or fat for that matter. The other point is that drug takers also lost more fat than placebo and more fat than they lost muscle. On average, Drug takers lost about 20% in fat mass and lost 27.4% of their visceral fat. So to those of you whose head is starting to spin and you're about to shut off the podcast because the numbers drive you nuts, the bottom line is that people who are on the medication also known as Wegovy and Ozempic lost muscle but lost more fat than they did muscle and lost visceral fat. Hi friends, it's Dr. Adrian, and I'm dropping into your podcast to offer a love letter to you. I believe that our hunger represents our unmet emotional and spiritual needs. And by leaning in and listening to our hunger, we have an opportunity to hear our need and to respond. I know this not only from personal experience, but from listening to the stories of hundreds, if not thousands of patients over the past almost 20 years, I have compiled these stories, including my own, into Hungry for More, Stories and Science to Inspire Weight Loss from the Inside Out. This book is not just about weight loss, but about life and contains lessons that I know to be life-changing. If you don't believe me, head over to my website at dradrianudim.com where you can obtain a free sample or to amazon.com and check out the reviews for yourself.
The end result being that while drug takers lost their muscle, the change in fat and muscle overall was an improvement in their body composition, an improvement in their overall percent body fat, which was reduced, and a significant reduction in their visceral fat. So here's the thing. Again, anytime we lose weight, we're going to lose both fat and muscle. The more weight we lose, the more muscle we lose as a percentage of that fat. There is nothing about these drugs in particular that is causing more muscle loss other than the fact that they're causing more weight loss overall. And we see this every time there is the spotlight on a successful weight loss strategy. We saw it on the data with the Biggest Loser TV show. When they analyzed the weight loss or when they analyzed the data on the participants of The Biggest Loser, they saw that they lost muscle. But then again, it was a percentage of the overall weight loss, which was on the order of 100 plus pounds. We've seen the same kind of changes following bariatric surgery. So again, a successful weight loss intervention that results in a significant amount of weight loss is also going to result in a loss of muscle. So my two cents is that semaglutide is still a healthy choice for the right patient and is not resulting in wasting of muscle per se. But our overall goal is to improve body composition. And so how can we do this? How can we limit the amount of muscle lost? How can we prevent or mitigate lost muscle and maximize the loss of fat on any weight loss strategy, whether you are using medications or not, whether you have had bariatric surgery or not, whether you've engaged in severe calorie restriction and exercise like, like the Biggest Loser TV show? Well, this is what we do know. The diet that we consume while losing weight appears to have a really important impact on the degree of muscle lost. So what are you consuming? Is it a low-calorie diet, low-carb, low-fat, high-fat, high-protein, high-fiber? Well, there's a study that looked at this too. In a review published in 2018 on some of the most common weight loss interventions, VLCD, or very low calorie diet, that is historically a diet that restricts calories to four to 800 calories per day in order to induce rapid weight loss and BTW. I do not recommend this strategy, but the VLCD resulted in a 25% reduction in lean muscle mass. Low carb diet, 24% reduction in muscle mass. A low fat diet, 24% reduction. Keto diet, up to 25% reduction. High fiber diet, 25% reduction. But a high protein diet only lost 11% from lean muscle mass. And the remaining weight loss came from fat. So remember, we can't completely prevent this loss, but when you compare these various weight loss interventions, VLCD, low carb, low fat, keto diet, high fiber, high protein, the one that fared the best 
was a low-protein diet. Side note, I bet you're wondering why the keto diet, which is also high in protein, results in a greater loss of muscle. And it's complicated. But basically, the ketone diet induces a state of starvation. Even if you're eating a ton of beef and butter, the body is perceiving this as a starvation because your carbs or your carbohydrate intake is so severely restricted that the body has to convert fat into ketone bodies as a source of energy that can be used by the brain. Remember that the brain requires glucose or sugar, which comes from carbs in order to function. If the body does not have enough glucose for the brain to function, it perceives this limitation of carbohydrate as a starvation. And this state of starvation results in an oxidative stress and hormonal changes in the body that cause a breakdown of muscle. So don't be fooled. Just because it is high protein doesn't mean that keto is a healthy dietary plan. And I've talked about the keto diet in past podcasts. It causes metabolic issues. It results in a harmful change in our cholesterol. Bottom line, this is yet another of the many reasons I hate keto, but I digress. So as you can imagine, there is another important factor in the preservation of muscle during weight loss. And that is dun, da, 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 exercise, of course. It makes sense that exercise, which is the way we build muscle, would prevent the loss of muscle while losing weight. Now, you may also recall from prior podcasts that exercise has minimal effects on total body weight during weight loss, meaning that those who exercise while, quote, dieting do not necessarily lose more weight than those that do not. But as we have said, a focus on just weight loss numbers alone is not wise. Just as important, if not more important, is what kind of weight is lost. What is clear is that exercise during weight loss causes the weight to be targeted or the weight loss to be targeted from fat while preserving lean muscle mass. And in general, of course, more is better. But even modest amounts of low-intensity physical activity are beneficial. One study looked at the effect of walking 30 minutes a day, five times a week, and resistance training 30 minutes, two days a week, and showed that this amount of activity preserved muscle as compared to those who did not engage in this activity. And in fact, when they looked at body accelerometers or the tracking devices that people used, they only really walked 100 minutes per week, not the 150 minutes that was advised, which would have in itself been equivalent only to 30 minutes of walking per day. So 100 minutes, that's like, I don't know, 32 minutes of walking, 33 minutes of walking three times a week. And that in and of itself, coupled with two days of resistance training, resulted in a preserved muscle mass while people 
we're losing weight. So see, see how forgiving your body is. You can be a minimalist when it comes to exercise and still reap the benefits. And finally, these two factors, diet and movement, were additive, meaning that when you combine a higher protein intake with higher physical activity, you are more inclined to preserve even more muscle mass when you lose weight. So my take-home message here is this. No matter how you choose to lose weight, medications or not, be mindful of your diet and engage in movement. Stay clear of fad diets that can cause more harm than good. And remember that merely losing weight, merely shifting the numbers on the scale without intention towards losing the right kind of weight is the wrong metric. Once again, our goal here is to improve our overall health and well-being. Well, that is all for this week. I hope that you learned something with this week's bite. And if you're ready for your next bite of action, head over to the show notes where you can download my five-step guide to health and well-being. It was personally curated by me, and it is filled with tips, steps, and motivation to nourish yourself, mind, and body. Last but not least, I would love to encourage you to please head back to wherever you listen to me, whether it was Spotify or Apple Podcasts, and leave us a five-star review. I thank you for your time. Time is our most precious resource. And I am so appreciative of you spending some of that preciousness with me. I'll see you again right here next week on Health Bite.